Good evening. All right. Uh, start tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Heavenly Father, thank, uh, thank you for this day, and thank you for uh, bringing everybody out here tonight. Lord, I just pray that you help me to, uh, to give the message that you'd have me to give, and we thank you for your word. We know that, uh, uh, we know that everything written therein is true, and we just pray that you would be glorified tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So as, a, uh, as an ex-military man, Army man, I've uh, been kind of watching this stuff going on in Ukraine with some interest. It's kind of hard to find um, accurate information. There's so much propaganda on both sides, you know, that uh, sometimes we don't know what to believe. But I am interested in it. And, uh, you know, for the first time since the 1980s, they're now talking again about the possibility of nuclear war. I remember back then, you know, even as a kid, they, you know, there was all these TV shows and specials on the day after and stuff like that. Everybody was afraid of the Russians uh, sending a nuke over here and all the mutually assured destruction and all that sort of thing. And, um, but I don't believe that the world is going to be destroyed by nuclear war. The Bible says that God is going to eventually destroy the world and build it once again, uh, not nuclear war. Uh, that's, so I haven't lost a bit of sleep over it. That's not to say that somebody can't launch a nuke, and, and, and uh, you know, there could be a, lot of, a great deal of destruction and death before that time. But uh, it's not something I lose sleep over. Just like I don't lose sleep over when the, when the liberals are screaming and crying about global warming. You know, if you read the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us, you know, God said after the flood that, you know, summer and winter, springtime and harvest will not cease until he returns. So we don't have to world, uh, worry about the world being destroyed by those things, just like I lost no sleep from COVID. You know, if you, lose, if you have your Bible, that will save you an awful lot of, of uh, fear like that. But Jesus said that the, uh, famines and pestilences would come. And, so, you know, sometimes those things can be the result of war. But he told us not to panic or to worry about these things. He said that we're never to focus on the troubles of this world. He said that, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, right? And so there's, the Bible tells us there's, there's a whole other world out there that we cannot see. Not with our physical eyes, anyway. Can you imagine somebody, somebody in your mind? Think of you know somebody, a loved one, or something. I can I can see my parents right now. You know, I can think of their, I can see their features in my head. Can you can you, can you all do that? But it's kind of bizarre. Like even though I can see their features in my head, where am I seeing that? It's weird to think about, isn't it? Like where do we get these mental images, like or, or a dream or something like that? You know, those things are are kind of kind of weird. It can kind of make your head shrink a little bit if you think about those things for too long. You know, how is it that I can see an image in my mind and, and yet I'm seeing nothing before my face? The point, it just is that there, there is more to this world than, than what the physical eyes can see, okay? So um, God wants us to see things that are unseen with the eye. Look at that verse I just read. He says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How do you look at something that's not seen, something invisible? Well, we have to use our, our spiritual eyes, Okay? And we can learn to see the world through uh, biblical glasses. When we learn to do that, it'll take your fear away. Because fear of man and, and faith in God cannot coexist at the same time. Right? The Bible says that perfect love casteth out fear. So when we can learn to see all these troubles in light of eternity, we can say just like the Bible says, O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? And that's why we need to be together in church uh, so much more as we see the day approaching. 
And we've got to have a biblical worldview ourselves so that we can teach a proper uh, biblical worldview to the next generation. I've, I've probably said it before, but, you know, uh, the kids that we bring in here on the bus, on the, in the bus ministry, I love it to death. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to bring children in here. But wouldn't it be so much better if the parents would bring the children themselves, right? It would, it would it, it teach, I'm telling you, kids, more is caught than taught with children. And when they, when they see their parents not taking it seriously, that's exactly what they're going to do when they become of age, unless God intervenes, right? So I'll just tell you the point that I want to get across tonight, and then we'll talk about it a little bit, because I'll be honest with you, this is probably the area I need most help in. And that is that we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes and give us spiritual sight so that we can learn to see uh, past the temporal things and, and see eternal things, okay? And I have... Um, Good physical eyesight. I just had an eye test the other day. I did pretty good, right? My hearing's not quite so good. My wife will tell you that. She says I have selective hearing or whatever they call it, but it's not. I couldn't hear what Pastor Muncy was just saying about me a minute ago. Hopefully it was not something I wouldn't want to hear. But um, I, I can't imagine living without my sight, you know. And have you ever thought about your eyeballs, what an amazing creation your eyeball is? How, how, how could that how could it be? Can you, the, the, the evolutionists want us to believe that, that we evolved from a, you know, can you imagine a pile of, of, you know, pond scum or whatever evolving into a seeing eyeball? Exactly how does that work? How could that, how, I can't imagine. How could that possibly happen? I was listening not long ago to a, uh, a UCLA professor talking to a Christian on the street. And uh, I think UCLA, it's the upper corner of lower Alabama, I think, isn't that right? But this professor was saying that, uh, you know, they started going on evolution, you know, and the Christians said something about creation and evolution. And, and this professor said, and I don't think she realized how silly she made herself sound and how she just defeated her own argument. She said, you know, she said, the problem with you Christians, the problem with you creationists is that you just don't, have, you, the reason you can't see evolution is because you don't have enough imagination. That was her answer. I have it on my phone if anybody wants to hear the audio. It's just, it, but they make fun of us for believing in things we can't see. But they do exactly the same thing, right? You want to know that the, their latest and greatest on those lines is, is the multiverse. Anybody ever heard of the multiverse theory? You have, that we live in a universe, right? It's the word, you know, prefix uni means one and verse is a spoken sentence. So we live in a single spoken sentence. God said, let there be, and there was. That's the universe. But they've had to struggle with the idea that, you know, when you look out at the universe, whether you look at a, uh, through a telescope or a microscope, it doesn't matter. What they're finding is over and over and over again is the fine-tuning of the universe to, ex- to suit life here on this planet. And it's very uncomfortable for the, the atheists and evolutionists because, well, that just it kind of smacks a, a, of God whenever they, you know, they hear those. And they haven't really been able to refute that until recently. Now they have the multiverse theory. Well, we don't just have a universe. We have an infinite number of universes, right? And so if you have an infinite number of universes, well, then surely, you know, there's going to be one somewhere where the conditions are perfectly suited to life on one of its planets, right? Except for the fact that that they can't see that and have absolutely no evidence for it. That's the only small problem with their theory, right? So don't let them tell you that, you know, you you have faith and they have science or, you know, that you you believe in things you can't see, but they're, you know, they're all about evidence and all that stuff. It's not true at all, Okay. So, in the Bible, the first thing God, that's, that's, uh, that it says that God created was light. God said, let there be light, the means of our physical sight. And you know, even that today, this, uh, speaking of which, the scientists today, still today don't know what light is. Anybody know what light is? I mean, they say sometimes it behaves like a wave, sometimes like a particle, that, you know, maybe photons. We, we don't, they don't really know what it is. They can give names to it, but they still don't know what it is. But they know about the multiverse. 
And our spiritual sight, though, was annihilated at the fall when Adam and Eve decided to eat the forbidden fruit. But Jesus gave sight to the blind many times in the Gospels. And, you know, the, the, the events in the Gospels and throughout the Bible, they're historical events. They really happened, right? But they were written for us uh, because they have spiritual application also. So, you know, we sing the song about uh, amazing grace, you know, I was blind and now I see. It's talking about having spiritual sight given to us by the Lord. And, and God cares, I think, more about giving spiritual uh, sight to those of us who, uh, who realize that we're spiritual beggars before God than he does about, you know, giving sight to somebody's physical eyeballs, and we're, so we're first made to see at salvation. When you get born again, when you realize your need for a Savior, when you can see your own sinfulness, it's, it's, it's a hard thing for the world to see. They fight against it tooth and nail. They don't like to, we don't like to admit we're sinners. We, nobody likes to admit that they're wrong. Okay? And when you can actually see that, that's a gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Whenever he convicts you of your sin, and then what you're going to do from that point is going to determine your salvation. Do you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, or you just keep on going along in your sin? Right? And as we grow then as a Christian, our sight should improve to the point where we can see more and more of our sinfulness. Uh, and that would lead to more and more repentance. You know, repentance is not a one-time thing where you just, you repent at salvation and then that's it. For a Christian, repentance is a continual process until we die, until we're perfected. But then simultaneously, as we see more and more of our sinfulness, we should be able to see more and more of God's mercy too. We serve a, a merciful God, a good God. He's willing to forgive right? And as our physical bodies get older, our physical abilities are going to decrease, right? Our physical strength is, is going to decrease over time. Uh, but your spiritual strength should not. It should be continually increasing, right? How about your physical sight? You see, our eyes one day are going to go dim, even mine, right? But our spiritual sight should improve. Some people have had great spiritual uh, sight with completely blind, no earthly sight at all. I think of Fanny Crosby, who wrote one of the songs that we sang this morning. Uh, she, she wrote 50 bazillion hymns in our hymnal today, had great spiritual uh, sight. It, it was, was blind since she was a child. Okay? I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 for a second. Verse 18. <clears throat> I'll read to the end of the chapter. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but, that, uh, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. God wants our eyes, our, our, the eyes of our understanding to be open, to see that God is going to be victorious. He is going to be victorious. He is victorious over all these principalities and powers that we mentioned earlier. He wants us to see that the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The Laodicean church in Revelation, we don't need to turn there, but uh, Jesus said that they were uh, uh, wretched and poor and blind and naked, they, and they didn't know it. They, they said that, I, I'm told that the Laodiceans at that time were famous for making some kind of eye salve that was a medical thing. Is it salve or salve, anyway? I, does anybody know? I, salve? I don't know. I, salve, I always thought it was salve, but then, uh, yeah, correct. anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, they, they were famous for their eye salve, uh, so, cause, so they, had, they had no problem with their physical sight, but they were, they were blind as a bat, spiritually speaking, Okay. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. That is our, our physical sight. Jesus said, it's the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the more of the word of God that we have in us, the easier it is to see. Have you ever tried to be in like a dark room or something and try to see by striking a match, you know? It's, it's not very easily done. The, the bigger the room is, the harder it is. So you, go to, you try to read something by a match. It's like you know, you're squinting and then you've burnt your fingers and, and whatnot. Well, the Bible, you know, it's kind of like that. You have a little bit of Bible, just a little bit. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good. And it's not because there's a problem with the Bible. The, you know, the Word of God is, is quick and powerful. The problem is us. And we, we tend to, we're, we're good learners, but we're better forgetters. We tend to forget what it is we've learned. That's why we need a continual feeding on the Word of God to do us a lot of good, right? And I think it's because, you know, we've spent so little time in the Word of God and in prayer that we've, we've failed to see some of the things that God would have us to see, right? I think a prime example of this is modern church growth methods. You know, you can go to find seminars, you can take classes, you can, get, you can buy books, you can take courses, whatever you want on on church growth, how to grow your church. Do you want to know what God's church growth program is? It's right up there on the wall. Go ye into all the world and share the gospel with every creature. If you want your church to grow, that's how you do it right there, okay? But not according to some of the uh, modern wizards of smart in, in some of our churches today. I was reading through some of these, and I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Here's, here's, I wrote down a few of my favorites, okay? This is number one way to grow your church is conduct a survey. Understanding what members and visitors want can help your church make key changes. Is that how God wants us to conduct our business by taking a survey? Democracy, right? We'll put it to a vote. See, we put it, hold our, the politician, hold her finger up in the wind and see which way that's, the people want to go, and that's what we do. Is that how we grow our church? Number two, expand non-church activities. People are looking for outlets for community building, and the church can play a part in that. If you have any yoga teachers in your congregation, see if they'll do a free class or two. Any yoga teachers out there? Jim, do you do yoga? No? Oh, man. Tell you what, I'm disappointed. You know, you know let, me, let me tell you something right now. Yoga is of the devil. You know that? Right? They, they, you know, when I, they say, they, some pe- people will try to say, oh, it's just, it's just stretching. So, no, when I was in the Army, we did stretching. That, that, we didn't do yoga. We didn't have to twist yourself into a pretzel or whatever they do in order to stretch. Okay? We don't have time to talk about all the, the kundalini magic and stuff that is associated with yoga. But it's all, it all comes from Eastern mysticism, from Hinduism. We don't need to be doing yoga in the church. It's, it's ungodly. But, you know, in the age of beer Bible studies, why not? Have you all heard about that? There's a Guy, if you go up to Seattle today, there's a, there's a disgraced preacher by the name of Mark Driscoll who um, he, he has he, beer Bible studies. He, they also call him the potty mouth preacher because he cusses in his sermons. But, uh, yeah, you can go up there if you want to and go to the local pub with Mark Driscoll and his bunch, and you can pound a few pints and, then, and, and talk Bible at the bar, right? Talk about spiritually blind, Right? Now, here's the third. I'll give you one more because this is my, my favorite. Number three, consider what demographics your church is trying to reach. It's a strange concept in the church because Christianity, the gospel, the Bible, Jesus, they're for everyone. It feels weird to say that your church is targeting a certain person. It feels mean because in clarifying who you're trying to reach, you're hinting that you're not trying to reach another group of people, and that feels unchristian. Well, maybe it feels unchristian because it is unchristian. Have you ever thought of that? But if your church tries to reach everyone, it could be you end up reaching no one. You target demographics. Let's just take the mask off for a minute and say openly what it is they're trying to say without saying it. What they really mean is we're trying to find hip, new, cool ways of getting young, yuppie people in our churches because old people are boring. That's really what they mean, right? 
Actually, what they want to do is kill off our old people through euthanasia and, and, and manufactured viruses and things like that because then we have no wisdom of the ages to call upon. You know, the, the, just growing old itself is no guarantee that somebody's going to be wise, but the, the older people in our congregation, uh, by and large, will have more wisdom than those of us who are younger because they've lived longer, they've had more time to study the Word of God, they've seen more things happen in the church. The Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God, Leviticus 19.32. It's kind of like when your, your parents used to say, you know, hey, listen, son, you know, you've, you've never been my age. I've been where you are, but you've never been where I am. And I used to hate hearing that because it was the truth. You know that? So don't, don't tell me that seniors aren't important to our church. How many people have been blessed by Mrs. Cackler's card ministry? Amen. Amen. I've been blessed by it. Praise the Lord. We'll go to John chapter 9, verse 39. Uh, Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world that they which see might not see. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have had no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. We've got to learn to stay humble in all this. The more that we learn, the uh, knowledge puffeth up, the Bible says, but charity edifieth. I'll go back to 1 Corinthians now, chapter 13. Verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. So we, we can't see everything we want to just yet. You know, we see things through, through a, a glass is darkly because our, our knowledge is imperfect. And God has ordained what things he, that he wants us to be seeing. You know, in the physical world, it's a good thing that we can't see uh, things like infrared and ultraviolet light, x-rays, you know, uh, radio waves, things like that. We can't see those things, and that's a good thing. You know what a nuisance that would be? Or you can't even see the light coming off of these lights. I mean, you can see what it shines on, but you can't see the light beams themselves, right? And, and Jesus is the light of the world. You know, the, the, the sun represents Jesus Christ in the Bible. And it's interesting that we can't, see, we can't see Jesus Christ physically today, but we can see what he shines on. We can see his people. We can see his word, right? And uh, one problem is that, you know, sometimes people want to see more than what God has ordained or other things than what God has ordained. You know, Herod wanted to see a miracle when they arrested Jesus. That, you know, show me a magic trick, you know. Uh, the Jews wanted to see a sign, but no sign was given them uh, except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. And Satan wants to open your eyes as well, but, of course, to wrong things. He wants you to behold wrong things. The Bible, Jesus said the lamp of the body is the eye. The things that you take in through your eyes is going to affect your body. It's going to affect your, your spirit even. You know, that's why we, we make such a big deal about the, the movies, the things that we watch on TV, the books we read, the, things, the places we go, people you hang out with, because the lamp of the body is the eye. You should not be seeing things that are going to have a negative effect on your spiritual life or your physical life even. How many people's physical lives were ruined because they went to places they shouldn't have been, Right? The, the, uh, the shamans and witch doctors and, you know, American Indians and people like that, uh, they used to use drugs, and still do. They, they, you know, they smoked their uh, peyote and marijuana, whatever. And, you know, well, why did they do those things? Well, it was because it got them in touch with the spiritual realm. They were seeing spiritual things through, the, through drug use that God never ordained for us to see. And you might say, oh, come on, you know, I used to smoke a little pot back in the day, and I never saw anything. Well, you know, just because you might not have ever done that doesn't mean it's that way for everybody all the time. You know, not everybody who smokes is going to get lung cancer, but some do, you know. Some people who use drugs don't, don't have those sorts of spiritual experiences, but some do. 
The longer you do it, the more likely it is to happen. So there's uh, there, one reason that people do things they shouldn't do is because they can't see. They're blind. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The people that were crucifying him on the cross, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't see what they were doing. Um, Matthew Henry says, the opening of our eyes will be the silences of, silencing of our fears. In the dark, we are most apt to be frightened. The clearer, uh, the clearer sight we have of the sovereignty and power of heaven, the less we shall fear the calamities of this earth. The Psalm 119, the uh, Bible says, Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Right? It says that, uh, talking about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, those living in darkness have seen a great light. That's not just a Christmas verse, you know. So where do we get our, world, our biblical glasses from? You know, our, our, the worldview, the way you see the world. Everybody sees the world through, through a pair of glasses, if you will, you know. Uh, of course, we have to get it from the word of God. You know, Satan wants to shape the way we see the world. He wants, he wants to shape the way our kids see the world. Yep. I, just, I, I didn't quote it verbatim uh, or I didn't write it down, but I just read a quote this week from uh, Bertrand Russell, one of the most wicked men of the last century, who said that uh, he, he said, we will know we've succeeded whenever we're, we're able to have kids tell us that snow is black. You know, that, that's what they, they want. They, in other words, we, just, we want to pump into your children's minds whatever we, we want them to recite, whatever we tell them. We just want them to believe what it is we tell them. They don't want them to listen to the Word of God. They don't want them to listen to their parents. They don't want them to listen to the pastor or their church, right? You know, can't, that's, all these Head Start programs and stuff, they're, they're constantly trying to get young. And I'm not saying everybody involved in that stuff is, is intentionally trying to do that to your children, but younger and younger, the younger they know, the younger they can get them, the better, right? And I find it, Jesus said, one of my favorite verses, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. If we would just, if we would learn to do that, to just seek first the kingdom of God, how, how much, how many things would, would automatically be taken care of for us, yep. you know? Jesus said, blessed are they who have not seen and believe, you know? Uh, it's a blessing to be able to, that we, we live in a time where we haven't seen Jesus physically, but Jesus says if you believe on him anyhow, you're going to be blessed for it. We'll go to, we'll kind of close with, we'll go to Second Kings chapter 6. It's a, it's a passage probably everybody knows, but it's a good one. So anyway, the, 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 okay, I'll just start at verse 8. The king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place where the man of God told him and warned him of and saved him there not once or twice. So the prophet is tipping off the king of Israel about what the king of Syria is going to do, and he keeps getting himself out of trouble. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they, which, uh, they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So here once again, you know, how many times had this happened to Israel in the Old Testament? Over, verse, you know, when they came up against overwhelming odds, 
You know, it happened with David and Goliath. It happened with, you know, Gideon and his bunch. And now here again, uh, the king of Israel is, is surrounded by these Syrians. And here comes Elisha's just, again, he's, he's like me. He's not losing any sleep over it a bit. His, his uh, servant is kind of freaked out. Like, we're going to be massacred. And, and Elisha says, don't worry, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And he opens his eyes and sees the spiritual world that, that none of us can. And he saw they were surrounded by the Lord's chariots of fire. Okay. Uh, he, and how, it makes me just wonder, in, in closing, how much would God show us if we really wanted it? How, how much would he, would he really be willing to let us see if we would ask him for it? You know, the, the book of James tells us he, he's not stingy with wisdom. He's, he's, he's willing to pass it out to anybody who wants it. You go to the eye doctor. Uh, they, they look at your eyes. They get some instruments out. And they, they, they find out what you need. They write your prescription. They know exactly what you need. The Lord Jesus Christ is like that for us. And I'd like us to think about that just a little bit tonight. How much would he do for us? How much would he show us if only we were willing to spend a little bit more time in, in prayer and, and it would be a little bit more serious about him, study the word of God, talk to him. But I think he'd be willing to give us some spiritual sight maybe we've never seen before. The Bible says that he, he wants to show us great and mighty things which we know not. So that's all I have for you tonight. Uh, thank you and uh, thank you, Pastor. <laughs>